password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base ten times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, We've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Uh, every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot a bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shout. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Oh yeah, it goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Grinder. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their, their variety of cheese and home decor items uh, and this of unique items that you can't find anywhere else. Their cheese section is insane. I love Rainbow Grocery because it's the number one grocery store to shop at when you're having a potluck and need to fulfill everyone's dietary needs. They don't have meat. Rainbow Grocery Cooperative, an amazing San Francisco staple since 1975. For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. 
Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com So you want to be a comic? It's not as easy as we make it look. But that's because Mutiny Radio has eight hours a week of open mic stage time for all your comedy workout needs. Strain those improv muscles every Sunday from four to six at Getting Sketchy with David Stolowitz. Press out those new jokes every Monday, six to eight on Joke Workshop with four-minute sets and four-minute critiques from everyone kept positive by host Pam Benjamin. Pump those dick jokes every Thursday, seven to nine with True Hustle Thursdays. Hashtag THC. That's hashtag THC. You want more open mics? Fridays, six to eight. Happy hour with guest host and George D. Smith. Pew, pew, pew. Four open mics every week at Mutiny Radio, brother. After work and take a seat at Asiento, a great place to meet friends, have delicious tapas and drinks, and relax with your neighbors. Located at Bryant and 21st Street in the Deep Mission, Kitty Corner Block from Mutiny Radio. Come and get a drink during the comedy festival and enjoy happy hour pricing all night long with your festival ticket. A great neighborhood bar. Come take a seat at Asiento. The Roxy Theater is San Francisco's favorite nonprofit art house cinema, bringing you the best, coolest, weirdest, most thought-provoking movies of the past, present, and future. Hands down, there is no better way to get your film fix than at this legendary historic theater. Visit www.roxy.com. That's www.roxie.com today for showtimes and tickets. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. All right, it's time to start it up. Music's off. Time to go. Yeah. Here at the Sparkcast, recording live at Spark here, the beautiful, wonderful mission. No, this isn't the mission. This is Soma. This is San Francisco, an amazing place. Uh, hey, everybody, welcome to the Sparkcast. Yay! Uh, this is the podcast that we do live here at Spark, and uh, we have a bunch of different highlights tonight for you guys. We always do a product highlight. Uh, tonight's product highlight is the purple lights. It's an indica. It's very confusing now. It says 812 milligrams of THC, but then you have to divide it by something else, and then what it comes out to is 23%. Remember when we used to be, they got us used to percentages, and now they've confused us with these milligrams. Oh my God, math is so hard. (laughs) Now I feel like when I was in junior high, they're like, you're going to need math for a reason. I'm like, yeah, so I can figure out how weed works. You know what I mean? Milligrams, hundreds, thousands, easier. Ounces, confusing. Pints, even more confusing. Like, what is the quartz? What does this even mean? Why are we even... Can I get a quart of weed, please? They're like, that doesn't make sense to me. You have a tiny guitar. I think they're called mandolins. Ukuleles that look like a really cool like is it is it electric can you plug it in and make it like be like Jimi Hendrix and like bend the oh it doesn't really work when I was a child I used to take rubber bands and put them on nails over wood and pretend it was a guitar did anybody else do that like I'm making noise is anyone listening no <laughs> as a child I didn't smoke weed then that's when I was just spinning around in the driveway in circles trying not to hit my head on the concrete 
their parents were like, if you're going to spin around in circles like that, do it on the grass, not on the driveway. You weirdo. Everyone tries to augment their experience. Am I right? I love weed. I love to augment my experience. I mean, has anyone watched a baseball game sober? Come on. Like, what is that about? You guys love the Giants. Hey, tonight we have... You are wearing a giant hat. Tonight, uh, we have, as always, the uh, quiz, which you guys get to participate in. We have great, great prizes tonight. One of them happens to be a, a giant's pin that was hand-sewn and puffy-painted. That's nice. If you don't like the giants, maybe you like the warriors. We got a warrior's pin. That's cool. Also, if you don't like sports, pride. It's a pride button. That's cool. Also, this amazing t-shirt that you can win. And we have a really special prize tonight from uh, Mission Cliffs. It's two free climbing classes or day passes uh, because today's theme is like it's better to just do physical things high, am I right? <laughs> like You guys can go, you can take a date climbing at Mission Cliffs here. That's one of our prizes tonight when we get to that quiz. All of the quiz questions are from the Spark website. So if you've been checking out the Spark website, you're going to do really well on tonight's quiz. We have really great comedians here as well. I'm super excited. Uh, we've got Leroy Alberg. We've got... I'm trying to remember you're from... It's Matt Berg from Far Away. Yeah, Matt Burke from far away. We have Nate Spears. I don't think he's here yet. No, there he is. Nate Spears is right in front of me. There it is. We got all our people. He's got music. We got it all together. Uh, hey, let's start it. Wow. Okay, so here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna start the product highlight. Is this the forbidden fruit? What is this? No, this is the purple lights. Ooh. It tastes purple. Do you know what purple tastes like? <laughs> this. This is. I literally taste the color purple. It almost has like a wine flavor to it, like a, like an aged oak barreled cabernet, which is weird. Purple lights, right? Is it gonna make my teeth purple? Like when I drink wine for 12 hours? Is that gonna happen? I hope not. <laughs> Don't let the purple white purple light stain your teeth. Look at that. It's already messing with my word choices. 23%. Hell yeah. Uh, we have a bunch of, uh, we like to start with some comedian story highlights, if you will. Uh, stories that they have had while they have been high or, uh, you know, imbibing the beautiful flower that they provide that's legal now. And, California. What a beautiful time we live in. What a beautiful man is coming up. You want to go? You wanna, can we make eye contact? Are we doing it? Yeah, we're doing it. Hey, everybody. He's a lovely man. He is a top knot, and uh, he's reminding me of uh, some of my favorite World Cup soccer players right now that are putting their hair up on the top. It's gorgeous. Uh, everybody, put your hands together for Leroy Auberg. Yay! <laughs> This is great. This is see my weed highlight is that like I am new to the game now, you guys. Like I smoked a little here and there growing up, but this is all new to me. I'm starting to pick it up a little bit. This is cool. I, I remember the days where you just like used to go to the park and buy it all paranoid and everything. I like I miss it though. You guys miss that? The nostalgicness of like not knowing where your weed is coming from and just being scared that you, know, you might get robbed. I miss that. I miss the paranoia. And that's why I wanted to sign up for this because like I like that this is a safe space but then you come in and you just see someone with a microphone and you're just like what's going on? <laughs> it's like I'm trying to bring back the paranoia, make weed paranoid again. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> now it took me a while to like really start ramping it up because every time I used to smoke weed growing up, I used to just think about space and time and that's terrifying. <laughs> it's like just thinking about how it goes on forever. And it's, it's not even like mostly like the time of like getting old or anything. Cause like, I can't wait to get old. Like I can't wait to be a senior citizen and get those AARP like discounts and everything. Like, is there anyone on AARP right now? Anyone? No? You, you gave me a little smirk like you, you are, but you don't want to announce it to anyone. He's like, I, I came in here to pick up some hotties. I don't want to 
reveal where I'm at in life. That's a cool fedora, though. Uh, but, but yeah, like, did, did, did you know that if you're a senior citizen, you could just walk out of a restaurant and not pay for your meal? Really? Yeah, you could do that. You could just walk out of a restaurant and not pay for your meal, and if, like, a waitress tries to stop you in the parking lot, all you gotta do is look at them and be like, are, are you my grandson? And just look like you don't know where you are, and then you're good to go. I can't wait to be a senior citizen, is what I'm saying. But like, yeah, those are the kind of thoughts I have when I'm high. Uh, but honestly, like, I don't have any like major highlights yet, because so far, like, all I really do is snack and watch the History Channel. Like, I feel like I'm very productive when I'm smoking, because I feel like I actually learn stuff. Like, I was watching a documentary with my girlfriend about Hitler yesterday. Um, turns out he's not a great guy. Uh, he's, 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 I'm, I just want to be on the record, I'm against um, racism. Um, I'm not saying anything courageous here, I'm just like trying to get an applause break that I, I can't win. Um, but yeah, like my, my girlfriend was watching it with me, and she was just, uh, looking at me like saying, hey, if I had a time machine, I would definitely go
refugee. Women of hope and courage, living through poverty, fleeing from war and terror. So I am a refugee. Magazine. This is Global Val here from the studios of MutinyRadio.fm here in San Francisco's Mission District. Of course, this is also a project of KPFA 94.1 FM Women's Magazine. And uh, I'm really excited uh, to be here. Happy Friday to everybody. It is December 15th, 2017. And uh, I'm really pleased because here on Women's Magazine, we like to focus on human rights, women's rights, things that affect everyone like the environment um, and and laws that either benefit or act against uh, the human spirit and and all, all of all of those things that support uh, creativity and community so really happy to be here this Friday um, you know at this point in time as the conversation about feminism, the conversation about women's rights, um, the conversation about culture in relation to women and women's rights is so, uh, it's riding pretty high right now um, for many, many reasons. And so I'm really pleased uh, to welcome uh, my guest today um, because we don't we also need to have the perspective of what's going on, not just, of course, here in the United States, but around the world. Um, so my guest today is um, Sama Damanhuri, and she is from uh, Saudi Arabia. She's an international scholar who's just finished up her master's degree in creative writing at Notre Dame de Nemours here in Belmont, California. And uh, she's got a lot of amazing projects on hand. Um, one of her short stories is being made into an animated short and uh, many other projects in the wings. And uh, she's launched, she and a friend have launched a suite of websites called We Are Saudis to try to bring the voices of the budding Saudi feminist movement out of the dark to support human rights around the world and in Saudi Arabia and for the women who live there and are from there. Welcome, Sama. Thank you, Valerie. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Um, so you have a pretty amazing story of leaving Saudi Arabia, coming to the United States, and having uh, so many really hard decisions to make in terms of how you want to live your life. 
but I'd like to step back a little bit so that we can give people an idea, a better idea, a, a clearer picture of what, it, what, it's, what life is like for a woman in Saudi Arabia. There's the male guardianship law, uh, which means that women need to be accompanied by a male uh, guardian or family member at pretty much at all times. Yeah. Um, tell us more about that male guardianship law and how that affects the lives of women in Saudi Arabia. I can answer that by telling you my story. Okay. Since it's related to male guardian um, ship system. So um, it took me a year and a half to cross the border of Saudi um, because I needed my father's signature to uh, come here and get my master's in creative writing. Um, and then when I came here, um, my father, within um, a year and a half of my, of my arrival to the United States, uh, he canceled the scholarship. Uh, he ordered me to go back and get married and arrange marriage, and then I can do whatever I want. He wanted me to stop my um, my master's and stop my education just for his own um, power and orders. But I refused that. Therefore, um, by the male guardianship law, um, if I disobey any order, from my male guardian, then everything should be canceled, like financial support, um, even blessing from my parents. And as part of that system of law, or there, there are so many other aspects of of your life, of of women's lives that are controlled by men. Can you go a little deeper into what they are in terms of permission to work and to travel and how that affects day-to-day -day life or, or even bigger things? Even simple things. Um, women cannot even leave their houses without a male permission. Uh, they cannot study, they cannot work, they cannot even cross the border or travel. Uh, without a male permission and it's really difficult it's all based on male pleasure and their mood even when I used to live in Saudi I had to choose the right time to talk to my father and if he was in a bad mood then that's it I would just cancel all my plans and stay home and if I disobey him by any chance just raising my voice or being a stubborn my simplest punishment is just being locked up at the house. Like li literally locked up at the house. Literally locked up at the house, not even having the key to leave. And I, I, I mean, this is. I'm glad we're having this conversation today um, because I think there are a lot of misconceptions or things that are just not understood about what it what it means to be a woman in Saudi Arabia and from Saudi Arabia. Now, you've also said that kind of as you got a bit older, you would spend time with friends kind of behind your parents' back, and you also realized that other people were doing the same thing. How did that? How does that work? I mean, obviously, I know as an American how to do things behind my parents' back, but um, in, in, a, in the society that we're talking about, it seems very closed and very restricted. It's very closed and very restricted. You're right. Um, everything is based on the religion and the, the government law. Um, so we have to wear the hijab and cover our faces and work in uh, non-mixed places, meaning only women, uh, companies or schools. Um, and um, I have to, like, it was, it was very difficult. And, and after I finished my bachelor, I felt that I had enough or just following rules. And, and I felt that it was the right time for me to answer all the questions that was in my head all this time. Like, why should I wear the hijab? Why should I pray? Um, why should I follow the cultural rules? It was, it was annoying. And I used to have migraine, nonstop headaches. It's like, I was really tired. And I was like, okay, let me just have two lives lives in front of my parents and my culture that I am this well-behaved woman and the other one is behind their back where I work at the places that I really, really liked working like marketing and event planning and hanging out with my friends and then I, I got even worse I was like I was I was in a really horrible situation and I felt that 
this is not the place that I should be. I should be somewhere else. I should be honest. I should be straightforward. Mm-hmm. So, so then uh, when you were realizing that you wanted to live an, this honest life and to be truthful about who you are and how you feel, um, what, what were the next steps for you? How did you decide to come to the United States and how, what was the process like for you to, to, to leave? It all started because I started working in marketing and event planning and then I became a manager of um, uh, a company um, in marketing and event planning and I felt that I knew nothing about this field and I felt that I needed an international experience. So I was like, why not studying abroad? And uh, once I brought this idea just uh, as a joke in front of my father, he went so, so angry and he was like, don't even think about it. Don't even dream about it. It's impossible that you'll make it. And then my sister was like, why not? Like, let her just apply for this scholarship program. Maybe she'll get married if she apply. And I was like, my father was like, oh, she's getting married? Then yeah, yeah, yeah. She can apply for this scholarship program. And then for a year and a half, um, I got a lot of proposals. I was looking around and through relatives and uncles and mother's side, father's side, just to find one male guardian that can come with me so I can just get my master's and go back home. That's all I wanted. And everyone was just busy and whenever I get a proposal, I feel like I'm so suffocated. I'm really putting myself into a, 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 a prison, inside a prison, my family and the husband. So I was really scared. And I was like, this is not me. I'm not ready to get married. I'm not ready to be responsible for another person. I need to solve myself and and just answers all the questions that was in my head. And then day by day, my father saw this girl who's been crying every single day and I became really depressed, locked myself in my room for almost a year doing nothing. All I wanted is just to get my master's. And then one of my mother's uncle was like, if you go right now to the United States and stay there for a year, I can come after that and, and be there with you. And my father was like, okay, that's fine. Then I'll take her to the United States, stay with her for five days. And then whenever this mother's uncle is available, he'll come and, and stay with me. But then he didn't. <laughs> And things got really worse, and my father thought that I made up, made it all up, and um, therefore he canceled the scholarship. Wait, so, so who accompanied you out of the country? Did anyone? My father came with me. Your father, your father came with you. That's another he rule. He brought you. That's another rule of the scholarship, by the way, program, that if I come here and if I am a female and I come here, I have to prove that my male guardian, who approved for me to get the scholarship is to be with me here for at least for one day and then he can do he can go back wow okay so your father finally said okay i'll take you as long as your mother's uncle comes and he'll be coming soon yes but then that uncle never came no so then you ended up living here on your own yes here in san francisco in the bay area yes Wow. Okay. So how long did it take before your family found out that your that the uncle hadn't come and that you were living alone? It took a month after my arrival. My father called called this uncle and my father is a somehow a, a rude man and he's very very powerful and and it's due to his work and to his life and to his um, status back home. So he was a little bit arrogant and my mother's uncle was annoyed by his reactions and therefore he just canceled it in front of him. He was like, oh, I'm not going. And then my father thought that I lied to him and I made it all up just for me to run away, which was not the plan. Wow, so you were implicated in in a lie that was not uh, not actually a lie yeah hmm so what happened next um he got uh, so angry um 
he told my siblings that he really hated me. It was the first time he ever said it. Um, I know my father, he's, uh, he's a very uh, stubborn, aggressive, angry man, but uh, he would never say I hate you unless he really means it. It really put me down and then I, I realized that if what do I want to do? Do I want to go back home and get my father's uh, father and mother blessings or should I stay here and finish my master's? And um, it was really hard because my siblings are like my kids. Um, I somehow raised them. Um, I come from a really abusive uh, family. My parents are always fighting. They never cared if we were home or not. Um, and then I decided that I should stay here and finish my education. Yeah, and at that point, it almost sounds like it would be the safest thing for you to do in terms of making sure that you're, uh, I mean, f physically, you know, safe in a place, but also uh, free to finish your master's degree and um, see, see, your, see your goal through. Yeah. These are some really t difficult decisions I know you, you've you've had to make. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the family dynamics and and what has happened with your family uh, since your father canceled your scholarship? Um, once he canceled the scholarship, I called his mother crying. I was like, I have no money, I have no scholarship, I have no house, nothing. What should I do? So she asked my father that he should fly here to Washington and sign papers um, at the Saudi embassy in Washington to get me my scholarship back. But he was like, no, I'm not going to fly f to Samaa. No, I'll never do that. I can just send a fax. He sent a fax, but the government was like, no, it's not like that. You have to fly here. Um, but he said no. And then one of my uncles was like, you know what, I can fly um, to Washington since I'm retired and I'm old and I have nothing, but you should give me one thing in return, that you should sleep with me. And then uh, my mother after that, um, uh, I was talking to her once and she got so angry and pissed. Um, and she was like, you know what, I'm not gonna never talk to you again. You're, you're a biatch, you're a liar. Um, don't put me between you and your father. And um, I had three cousins. Uh, so I used to live in San Francisco when my father canceled the scholarship. And I had three cousins that they lived um, five blocks away from my home. Um, they just blocked me everywhere. They just don't want to talk to me. They don't want to support me. But once they heard that my father canceled the scholarship, they just came. I, I, I don't know. I think just to make fun of me, it was, it was weird. But everyone literally just abandoned me back home. And the, I think the, the gravity of the situation, like just how heavy that is. Um, what did, I mean, what did you think you were gonna do at that point? Like when you had your family who was, you know, shaming you, mocking you, turning their backs. Uh, what, I mean, obviously I know you were just probably just devastated, but then what was your first thought about where, where do I go next? What do I do next? How did you find your way out of that? There was a very annoying, clear voice in my head that was just saying one word, wait, just wait. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll wait a month and then two months and then three months. And I was like, that's it, enough. Like, I really had enough of waiting. I cannot take it anymore. Um, I became very depressed. Um, I was bleeding for a whole month. Um, I locked myself in a room. Um, I, I just, I, I wish that I, you know, I was dead. I didn't want to live the life anymore. And um, also once I realized that, that I can, um, I can never see my siblings again, my brain just shut down. I, I, for like eight months, I couldn't even form a language, Arabic, nor English. It was like no language. Were you still in school at this point? You were still doing your master's degree? Actually, I finished my master's last week. Congratulations. Thank you. That's amazing. 
Um, and you got your master's in creative writing. Yes. And I think that, or I see in what I've learned from you is that your art and your writing have been, you've been telling your story in many different ways. Yes. And as I saw you come in here today to Mutiny Radio, and I saw you just very bright and, uh, you know, like ebullient and excited and, and definitely not, you know, the, um, definitely in a, in, a, in a much better place. So let's talk about your art. Let's talk about um, this community that you found through your master's program, um, because I think that's a, the next step really in the story is to talk about how you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> after all that. Um, well, my supervisor at the university, Jackie Berger, um, she's the first one who like stood up for me and never left. She's always around. She's always making sure that I am being helped and I am on the right track. I really wanted to leave my master's. I just wanted to apply for asylum and, you know, be a regular immigrant who work in a restaurant <laughs> and wait for asylum. But my Jackie was like, no, you're getting your master's because you need it so you can get a good job here. Um, and she started to introduce me to people. How about we talk to this person? How about... Um, uh, we, we, you know, you work here, or um, how about we um, do a GoFundMe page? And she was always around. And one day she was like, um, you know what? I, I, Jim McGarry works at Notre Dame de Namur, and, uh, and I think he can help you. So her and I went to Jim McGarry's office, and uh, I told him my story, and he was like, you know what? Um, I think I know someone. His name is Larry Parcell. He works at the Catholic Workers' House in Redwood City, and they offer housing, food, and 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 they they can also grant a scholarship for you if 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 that's possible. And then he was like, I think I heard that there is a one room available two weeks ago, but I'm not sure if it's available right now or not. Let me just talk to him. He talked to him and he was like, yeah, it's still available. So we went the next day, Jim McGarry, Jackie Berger, and me to the Catholic Workers' House. We had the interview and um, and then it's after that, just like a, a big door just opened. I, I started to know more people through their networks and and the donors, they came, paid the tuition. And then other people heard the story. They were like, oh my gosh, a Saudi woman, we're gonna get her car. And then other people, oh my gosh, a Saudi woman, free boxing classes and just like people just coming in coming in we're here for you we're gonna support you that's that's amazing as i was reading your 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 story you know um as we've been communicating before before today and talking about all the you know the the scholarships the food the boxing classes to get out the stress right the um the car that was um, donated yeah. for, for you to be able to, to live your life. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this, this woman is like born under a bit of a lucky star in a way, um, just being touched by all these people and, and kind of like who are drawn to you and your light and your creativity and seeing that uh, the need and uh, also knowing that you're giving back. But also we discovered in this very small world, because it is a small world, we're here in San Francisco, um, Sama and I, and uh, Jim McGarry was my high school religion teacher at St. Ignatius College Prep here in San Francisco. So I saw the name Jim McGarry and the, with Lawrence Purcell, uh, and I said, wait a second, I think I know exactly who that is. And sure enough, um, my old social justice religion teacher, Jim McGarry, is the same, one in the same. So we we have that connection here. Yeah, isn't uh, he, he a great guy? Yeah, he was amazing. He always tried to instill in us a sense of social justice and um, tell us about things that were happening around the world that were very far outside um, the mind of a American fifteen year old. <laughs> um, so, uh, Mr. McGarry, I, I definitely tried my hardest to to uh, pay attention and learn about East Timor uh, back in the 90s um, and actually I have a friend who was uh, did her master's in peace and conflict studies and was uh, doing um, post-conflict photography in East Timor so thanks Jim um, 
but Sama, it's amazing. So you you come from you come from Saudi Arabia, a Muslim country, oppressive towards women. You come to the United States. Family says we we can't we can't support you anymore, and then you find yourself with the Catholic workers. Um, what an interesting kind of wave of experience um, to to cross those cultural lines, the the religious lines, and and all of those things. Um, I think it's wonderful to sh that it shows that you know doesn't matter you know the religious part doesn't matter, but community matters and and what people feel is right and to help one another. That kind of golden rule or that uh, you know just that willingness to yeah. to um, to to support. Um, our fellow human beings it's really amazing it is it is so you've been so the community rallied around you as well they should um and y you finished your master's degree last week yes congratulations again on that so you and it's in creative writing so you have some really interesting projects coming up there's a short story that you've written yeah. um that is currently being made into an animated short tell us about that story and uh the where that is in the process um i wrote this story um in january 2016 before i went to egypt uh, where I visit, uh, I visited my family after two years apart, and um, being two years apart, I I've totally changed. Um, I mean, I'm no longer Muslim. I I I believe in you know other things right now, and I I I just changed, and I was a little bit scared of how my family would react to that, and I just wanted to show them that even though I've changed. But I still carry the same love and respect for them. So I wrote a story. This is about a white paper that used to live in a world that made of paper and only color they know is white. And they made them believe and if they touch any new color is poisonous. Uh, therefore, they should be cut by the scissor. And they have hearts on their chest indicates that if it turns into gray, means they touch colors. Therefore, they should be Dutch, uh, dead, I'm sorry, but if it's white, it means they are okay. And they were not allowed to leave this world. Only a few papers were allowed to leave the world just to collect more papers so they can build more stuff in the world. Uh, the main character is the long paper. He was one of the few paper, papers were allowed to leave the world, and one day uh, he was out, a hurricane happened, it took him to a new world. It was very colorful. Um, at the beginning, he was very scared to touch any colors, but curiosity was stronger than anything. So he touched colors. Uh, he became colorful, except one place was white, his heart. Um, he's going to find his way uh, back home. Uh, he's going to choose to go back home and um, show everyone that being colorful is not poisonous. And right now, I actually... Um, we are a team of six people who are working on it. Um, they are very passionate about the story. We are working on the uh, short animated movie, but um, the team believe um, once we're done with that, we can uh, make a, a longer feature film, a comic book series, and a video game out of the story. Amazing. Sama, you're so inspiring um, to so many so many people and uh obviously you know your stories and and what you're sharing are are gathering people around you who want to be a part of it um want to be help you uh to elevate voice your voice um your story but also the story of so many people and so many women um so i know that you you also have other projects kind of in the works um as well which are very exciting and i'm sure next time when you have more on that you can come back but you also have taking it on yourself as well you and a friend have started a website kind of a suite of websites called we are saudis yes um dot org is in, in english that one that you're building right now yes and then there's two others dot com and dot net more supportive of people inside saudi arabia and in arabic right so yes please tell us about uh we are saudis and what you're trying to do with these uh with these channels of communication? Um, so this website um, idea came um, 
because of um, all the Saudi refugees all over the world. Um, we just want to gather all the, the the sounds of aches and and pain, um, whether it's outside of Saudi or inside in one place, because we have a Saudi activist um, in, in Snapchat only, and some in tw on Twitter and others on Instagram, and it's really hard for a Saudi to you know follow all that and be in you know updated of all their their um, you know activities and and support so we came up with this idea that we have to have one website that gather all that in one place and and each one of us right now we are like more than five people so far so each one of us um, gather to work on this website with uh, one goal so for me um, why I was really excited about this website I just want to show my parents and everyone who left me back home that I understand I really understand I understand that they are going through a lot and um, the culture and the religion and the law back home forced them to do a lot of things that they were it was just not logic and it was against what they really wanted to do and the only language for them to show me that they are in pain is just being hatred and aggressive so I just want to, uh, my part will focus on helping Saudis mentally and emotionally. I will collaborate with Powerhouse Gym. We're going to create exercises, um, for, especially for women, because uh, gym is like a taboo uh, for women uh, in Saudi. And um, I'm, I'm also going to try to make a small YouTube videos or like clips to how um, they can think differently. And I have another partner who's going to focus um on uh, women's uh, rights in Saudi. She's going to gather all the stories that, the ugly stories that it's only popular in the Arabic social media. And we yeah. weren't translated into English. Um, that's what, um, and also we're going to uh, post the news. Oh, no. um, and for example, recently Saudi Arabia announced that women can drive. But, um, how can I start? <laughs> yeah, we were we were talking about this. So, yes, the kind of very recent announcement, right? There's kind of this young prince, this crown prince, um, who uh, is only 32 years old, uh -huh. just younger than I am, um, and kind of has this air of opening up society in a sense. So there was a declaration made within the past couple of months. It was September 26th. And you know that date because October 26th was supposed to be a big significant day. So, yep. so they made an announcement September 26th saying women will be able to drive in June of 2018. Tell us about... Period. Yes, <laughs> dot. And now dot, dot, dot. So yeah, let's talk about this. Um, now, Sadie, women can drive, which we, is not true, uh, not true yet, and may in fact not actually happen. Happen. So let's talk about that because there was a big campaign to, to push for that. Yeah. Um, so they announced um, actually before that we are the Saudi women, uh, the Saudi women refugees all over the world. Um, they were uh, trying their best to do a huge campaign in October 26, encouraging the Saudi women in Saudi to take their male guardian uh, cars and drive and you know um, uh, video. Uh, de themselves driving and then posted on social media and not only that they also were in touch with the biggest news 